1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Tuesday, January 14th, 2020. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief, Peter Soretta, And joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Weekend Editor, Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. And writer, Y-Trend Mui.
2: Hey, everyone.
1: Okay, so news has kind of slowed down, but we have some some things to talk about here, like yesterday... The trailer for the Spider-Man spinoff, Morbius, hit the web. And uh, H.C., you wrote this up for the site. What did you th- make out of this trailer?
2: Well, it's peak 2003, I gotta say that. <laughs> um, I can't say I was very impressed by this trailer. I well, I didn't really have much excitement going into Morbius in the first place because I think Sony's whole spider man uh, Spider-Man cinematic universe is a little silly despite the huge success of Venom and um, Morbius seems to be very self-serious and gritty and dark and violent and um, Jared Leto is never an actor who's really appealed to me in the first place either but uh, yeah it seems pretty just cut and dry they like dusted off a trailer from 2003 and we're like let's put it out now and uh, so it's, it doesn't look great is what I'm saying. <laughs> Yeah, but
1: he's humming operatic music. That that that's good, right? Yeah, it's
2: evil. That means he's evil, right? That's what <laughs> yeah. all villains do.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. This is so strange. Yeah, you're right. It look. I would even say earlier than that. I would say like late '90s. This like mm-hmm. reminds me of that generation. Uh, and I I want to say that no one's gonna see this, but you know, I thought that of Venom, and <laughs> that movie made so much money. But on the other hand, this movie, you know. People had posters of Venom, and people love, you know, merchandise of Venom. Venom was a iconic character. Um, you know, at least, like, he looked cool. <laughs> Morbius, like, I don't think he has quite the following, so I'm wondering if they're going to be able to trick people into seeing this film. Brad, what do you think?
3: Yeah, I mean, this looks like uh, a music video from the early 2000s, and I was expecting, like, Hoobastank or Creed to show up at some point <laughs> playing their instruments while... Footage of the movie is cut in in between. It's just, I I, just, I don't know who cares about this movie. I don't know who thinks this is a good idea. Um, I it, it feels like an underworld movie almost, and I just I just don't care.
1: <laughs> it does look like an underworld movie. Yeah, uh I got
2: got that gray color palette.
1: Maybe they'll be able to convince people to see this because they'll try to trick people into thinking that this is part of the larger. Marvel Cinematic Universe. So, first of all, you have in association with Marvel, which to you, me, and HD rings as, like, you know, this is not part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But uh, everyday person in middle America, that's probably, oh, new Marvel movie, right? And then the trailer says, from the people that brought you Spider-Man, Homecoming, Spider-Man Far From Home, uh, what else? Venom. Yeah, I think that was the the, the list of things. And then there's a kind of surprise at the end here, right? Like there is the appearance of Michael Keaton. What what do you make of this, Brad? Uh,
3: Well, you know, it's not really clear because they don't directly say that it's Michael Keaton as Adrian Toomes, AKA the vulture from Spider-Man. He does kind of speak in the same way. It's, it's not Michael Keaton's regular voice. It's a little bit more, more gruff and mildly menacing. Um, And he obviously knows who Morbius is because he says, Michael Morbius got tired of doing the whole good guy thing, huh? And he's like, what's up, doc? And it's like, uh, okay. <laughs> but, but, like, I don't really know what he's doing because, like, it looks it looks like he's wearing a, a doctor's lab coat and there's, like, a cop SUV behind him. So has he escaped from prison? Has, been, has he been let go from prison? What, what is he doing? And, like, it kind of begs the question as to whether or not it really does take place in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, or if maybe it takes place in some kind of alternate Marvel Cinematic Universe, perhaps where Venom takes place, since we've seen there isn't a Spider-Man in that yeah. world yet that we that we know of.
1: That we know of. Um, but, but we have heard that the Venom sequel might have an appearance from Tom Holland.
3: We, we have, and we've also heard that the, the, when the new Spider-Man deal was announced for a third Spider-Man movie a collaboration between Sony and Marvel, there was also mention of him appearing in another Marvel movie – and Kevin Feige made kind of a mention of Spider-Man being one of the only characters who can jump back and forth between different uh, universes, you know, um, parallel dimensions, which would seem to imply that they might have figured out a way for Tom Holland's Spider-Man to move back and forth from the MCU to this alternate universe, or that maybe there just is an alternate universe that exists. Um, So that's, that's certainly a possibility, and it would be one way for them to have spider-man still be part of the mcu but then also use him in the movies that sony wants to make but it does sound very confusing for the general uh, moviegoer.
1: i mean endgame did establish the idea of multiverses and spider-man far from home kind of continued that thought but kind of put a dead end to it not to say that they didn't exist but I i think it has been established but will people understand that this isn't part of the mcu
3: yeah i think that they would definitely have to have a in, in whatever that other Marvel movie is that Spider-Man is supposed to appear in, or maybe even in his own movie, they'll have to explain how multiverses work and what what will happen.
1: Yeah. Uh, to confuse things even further, there was something on the wall that you noticed when this trailer first hit uh, that it brings everything into question.
3: Yeah. So there's there's a shot where you see Morbius walking back down like a back alley, and it's he's it looks like he has some kind of orange jumpsuit on, like he's been in prison or something like that, and he's changing clothes. And in the background, there's this poster of Spider-Man that has a graffiti tag over it that says Murderer. But what's weird, and I noticed this immediately, is that the Spider-Man that's in that image is from Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. It's that suit. It's not any of the suits that Tom Holland has ever worn. Um, And even on a weirder note, it's actually an image, a promotional image, that was used to promote the availability of the Sam Raimi Spider-Man suit in the PlayStation 4 Spider-Man video game. So it, it, it does raise a question whether or not maybe this movie takes place in Sam Raimi's Spider-Man universe. That's probably not the case. What's more than likely happening here is they had to use maybe temporary Spider-Man art and the only images that... Sony fully owns the rights to are from Sam Raimi's Spider-Man and from the Spider-Man video game since they own PlayStation and that game is a PlayStation exclusive. So maybe they used what they had temporarily and they're waiting for some kind of approved image from Marvel to put in there in post-production or something like that. Because the fact that Murderer is tagged on it would seem to imply that this takes place after Spider-Man Far From Home since uh, J. Jonah Jameson revealed that uh, or at least has has learned, you know, uh, from Mysterio that Spider-Man is responsible for killing him and has framed him. Uh, in addition to revealing his identity, so it's uh, yeah, it's all very confusing.
1: <laughs> I mean, I I, I was up. Last night thinking about this, which I probably shouldn't be spending any time about this, but I was thinking, like, maybe you could reason why that is from the, you know, Sam Henry's Spider-Man. Maybe in the the MCU, they have now made video games based on Spider-Man for the PlayStation, and that's just how Spider-Man looks in the video games
3: that would be so silly why why would you make a whole different spider-man suit for a spider-man in the video (laughs) games
1: i don't know i wondered as a kid when when batman returns came out and i was buying all these batman figures of suits that weren't in the game or in in the movie the same thing brad but they did it so um okay uh Let's move to the adjacent uh, Sony universe where Sony has been trying to make this this movie based on the video game series Uncharted. They've gone through a list of directors so long, very long. And they finally found some sucker to, to take this on. Uh, Brad, tell us about it.
3: Yes. So Travis Knight recently uh, left the project after replacing the previously departed director Dan Trachtenberg. Uh, but it appears that they couldn't uh, make things work um, behind the scenes, and so they needed to have a replacement for Travis Knight as well. And apparently the person at the top of the list is uh, Venom and Zombieland director Ruben Fleischer. So Sony gets to keep a director that they've had in-house for a little while now and has been uh, moderately successful for them, extremely successful when it comes to Venom. And they get to keep Tom Holland in the movie so they don't have to worry about pushing it back and losing him to scheduling issues and hopefully they can keep that December 2020 release date that they set a while back. Um, but, yeah, I think it's clear that Sony is just desperate to get this movie out, and they needed a hired gun to get in there. No disrespect to Ruben Fleischer, but it just seems like they need someone in there who they know will deliver and has worked well with Sony before and probably isn't you know looking to argue or make any significant trademark of their own on this movie and just be done with it.
1: Yeah, I mean... I'm reading between the lines here, but it seems like if this this was a great script, if this was, you know, something amazing, then they wouldn't have trouble having directors, you know, leaving it so much. And on top of that, like, you know, Ruben has kind of become kind of a work for hire kind of guy. Uh, I'm wondering what you guys think of Ruben Fleischer because, you know, when he came onto the scene, he was first like a music video and commercial director and he made Zombieland. I feel like it, 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 people thought he was like a fresh new voice and uh, he kind of got a lot of gigs. He got that uh, that gangster film that went horribly wrong. I forget the name oh, of it.
3: Gangster Squad.
1: <laughs> gangster Squad, yeah. Um, and uh, I don't know. Everything he's made since has not been like my cup of tea. Hc, do you have a, a, any thoughts on Ruben Fleischer? Sure.
2: I mean, I like Zombieland, but I get—I have come more to the conclusion, I guess, that he's a li- little bit more styled than substance. I also, yeah, I don't think I've enjoyed a lot of his films since Zombieland, and um, I don't—I, yeah, he's not the uh, the new <laughs> talent that he was kind of hailed of at at the beginning.
1: Yeah, uh, Brad, what about you?
3: Have yeah, you- I'm pretty much in the same boat. He's just—I mean, I-, I didn't like Venom at all. I did like the first Zombieland. Um, I was disappointed in thirty minutes or less, a movie that people have probably entirely forgotten about, starring Aziz Ansari and Jesse Eisenberg. Um, but yeah, it's it really just seems like he's kind of just the go-to guy when you need someone to direct a movie that isn't gonna you know mess with what the studio wants.
1: Yeah, and I I seem to be the only person here that uh, kind of enjoyed Venom in in for for the you know wrong reasons. Uh, and uh, I think most of those reasons I think I could attribute to Tom Hardy's performance and probably not the direction or, you know, anything else. I, it really just seems like some insane choices on Tom Hardy's part. So, I don't know. I'm not excited for this. Uh, it's disappointing because, you know, this is a project that had, you know, the likes of, like, Dan Trachtenberg. It, and people were saying that this could be the first great video game movie, and now it just looks, looks like it's, you know. I don't know. I'm not even interested. But anyways, okay, uh, I think last week on the podcast, we were talking about this Parasite TV series coming from HBO. We are a little bit uh, cynical and pessimistic about this, and now we have learned some new details about this. HT, tell us about it.
2: Yeah, last week when we reported about the HBO Parasite Limited series, we knew that Bong jun ho was involved with Adam McKay uh, in making this project, but we now know more about... Bong Jun-ho's involvement, specifically that he actually approached McKay uh, for this project, and he is uh, uh, involved in a much more in much larger capacity than we um, anticipated. Uh, he apparently wanted to do this limited series because he wants to expand the movie because um, his original script, he had many more ideas that he said that he couldn't convey into a two hour running time of the film. And if he had a longer running time, he would be able to tell these stories. So he uh, approached McCain uh, because of his success with su- succession. and um, he- while he said, while Bong Joon Ho said that he's not very familiar with the TV industry, he's putting um, his trust in McKay to uh, create something out of his um, these ideas that he that never made it to the big screen. Um, we still don't know yet whether this will be in English or Korean, but um, I think now that we know that Bong is definitely more involved in this than we anticipated, uh, I feel like uh, we're uh, the the tide is turning. I, I kind of. I'm interested in this now because I I do want to see more of that family and see more of like the possible shenanigans that he had uh, in a plan for it. But uh, I wonder like if he's going to complete, create a new, completely new family or uh, change the setting because it is for an HBO series.
1: I feel like it's going to be English language, but I don't know. Maybe that's just cynical me. Uh, I wonder if because he doesn't say it's not going to be a remake of sorts, right? Like he says, it's going to be based on all these ideas he couldn't fit into. So I'm wondering if it's going to like be a remake in so much like, you know, Fargo, the series was a remake of the original, you know, Fargo movie. Like, do you think it could be something like that?
2: Yeah, I think if done successfully, we could get a new Fargo. Um, I mean, we've also seen Bong Joon-ho's previous film, Snowpiercer made into a TV series, which is coming at some point <laughs> um but there are ways of making a, a successful tv series adaptation from a film like Fargo for example so um I don't I don't know still if Adam McKay is the exact right choice for this but Bong Joon-ho seemed to be really impressed with succession and uh wants that sort of touch on it that sort of satirical touch so I um, you know, we'll see we'll see we'll and now see. We're, yeah we're, we're interested now
1: wait Snowpiercer the show hasn't come out yet I, I just remember like them like people eating like these bars full of bugs and stuff at like Comic Con and other like other conventions like that seems like yeah. so long ago at this point but maybe I guess mean I, guess I it saw isn't. like
2: a preview of it at um at uh, New York Comic Con too but TNT yeah, hasn't it's... actually announced the premiere date yet I don't think That's yeah crazy. it's
3: still just a vague spring
2: 2020 crazy
1: okay uh let's talk about a comic creator i am very interested in that is brian k vaughn he had a sci-fi comic series called ex machina which is now becoming a movie brad tell us about it
3: uh yes so as we all know brian k vaughn is quite the respected comic book writer he's worked at both marvel and dc uh also dabbled with image comics and dark horse comics uh, he did some TV writing on Lost and Marvel's Runaways. There's an adaptation of his uh, acclaimed graphic novel Why the Last Man in the Works, um, and now his comic series uh, um, X is as it, a it Machina or Machina? I'm always terrible at that. Machina. It's I think. Machina. Yeah. Machina. Um, X Machinery. No, uh, is coming um, <laughs> to to um, to movie theaters as a film adaptation, but to avoid confusion with the other movie of the same name. Uh, it will be called the Great Machine, and uh, this comic was published from 2004 through 2010, uh, and it follows a civil engineer named Mitch Hundred, the uh, who has the amazing ability to control machinery, um, and he becomes the f- world's first superhero essentially. Uh, but he also eventually uh, becomes mayor after he retires from from crime fighting, and so there's it's this uh, long story basically of like that deals uh, with politics and kind of digs more into superheroes just beyond the action and saving the world. Um, and so they're, uh, they're turning this into a movie. It's it currently only has writers attached to adapt it. Uh, Anna Waterhouse and Joe Shrapnel, who uh, recently wrote the Kristen Stewart movie Seaburg, are attached to adapt it. Um, but interestingly enough, this movie has kind of been a passion project uh, for a certain executive for a while. It was in the works back in 2005 at New Line Cinema, and they were developing it even up through 2012. But eventually, because they didn't do anything with it, their rights reverted back to Brian K. Vaughn and the illustrator Tony Harris. But the guy, Cale Boyder, who was at New Line Cinema at the time, now has uh, a job at Legendary Entertainment. And so he was able to bring them back in, and that's where the, the movie is set up now.
1: He's like, guys, this time I'm going to get it made. I promise you. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Brian K. Vaughn. I, I I, think I wrote the first issue of this, and it was just, like, not up my alley. Uh, I'm assuming neither of you have read this this arc? I have not. Or the series?
2: I haven't either, yeah. No.
1: I've heard great things about it, and uh, I'll be excited to see, you know, what it, how it's realized. Because just seeing some of the comic book stuff, you know, Brian K. Vaughn is often... You know, he often does some very interesting things that don't seem like they are adaptable to the screen. <laughs> and I, it would be interesting to see, you know, how this turns out. Uh, yeah,
2: when are we getting a saga series?
1: I, well, he said, he, he initially said that he made that so that it will, will, he made it so weird that Hollywood could never adapt it into a movie. Yet, I I talked to him at one point, and he said that he gets calls, like, weekly from Studios trying to turn it into me. Oh. And uh yeah uh I, I think it was said or something. I I, I I have a vague memory of this conversation. But uh that um that basically he tells his manager like if anybody calls to book a meeting with him to basically warn them he's not adapting saga into a movie or T V series, so if you're meeting with him for that, don't bother. <laughs> So, so, but I don't buy that. I buy, I think eventually we're going to get a saga movie or a TV series. I feel like that's going to happen eventually, but uh, it, would, it would require a huge budget. Did you read saga?
2: I've read the first two issues and it's definitely one of the weirdest and <laughs> ambitious things I've ever read. And so I, it would be so unique if it ever did get adapted, but um, I wonder if it could be.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, Okay. Uh, let's talk about our last story. This is Universal Studios in Japan is it has announced the launch of Super Nintendo World. This is something we knew that was coming, but they announced that it's actually going to be coming this summer ahead of the Olympic Games. And they've released some details on this that we did not know. HT, tell us about it.
2: So Super Nintendo World is coming to Universal Studios Japan in Osaka ahead of the 2020 Tokyo Olympics. And it'll be featuring a very unique piece of technology uh, in the form of wearable wristbands called power-up bands. Each of them are going to be themed to different Mario designs. And it will sync with a smartphone app and track digital activities as you walk around the land and um, allow you to collect uh ach- unlock achievements and look for attractions including a game style overhead map which will allow you to kind of search through like a treasure map um but it's uh it's something that um Thierry Coop the uh, U- chief creative officer of Universal Creative says will help turn Super-, Super Nintendo World into a life-size living video game so something that's like way more immersive and uh than a lot of, of what we've seen before so yeah get ready for ready player one the theme park basically <laughs>
1: Yeah, I was wondering how they were going to do this, because they're building this, you know, huge land in Universal Studios based on uh, the Nintendo video games, which are so cute and awesome. But it's like, how are you going to be able to grab coins and jump on bad guys? And so like again, I guess the answer to that is using your phone in augmented reality and having like, you know, this, this power up band that like tracks you around. The, the world. Um, I'm wondering, like, how many people are going to use this interactivity because at uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, they have this whole thing, uh, this whole app on your phone called the Data Pad where you can interact with the land and hack different things and uh, do all sorts of stuff. But I feel like nobody ends up using it. But this one seems like they're kind of trying to sell the land partially based on this, this new interactivity. I, I know, you know, Universal launched the Harry Potter world with those interactive wands, which are, did you know, they? uh, yeah. Or it didn't launch with it. It launched oh. later. Yeah. I, I should clarify. Uh, so maybe when H T when you, when you went there, they probably didn't have, did they have the interactive
2: wands? No, they didn't have it yet. Cause I oh. went there really early, about yeah. like a month after it opened.
1: Yeah. Well, they have these interactive wands where you can use them, to cast spells in different windows and things will actually happen. And I think like the, for me, the appeal of, that interactivity is like you're actually interacting with real stuff and there's like real animatronics and things that happen because of that device that you have. And Mm -hmm. in Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, it's mostly just happening on your phone and it's not that exciting. Although like you can hack into something and it'll make a noise or something like that. Uh so I'm wondering if this is gonna be more exciting than that. Like are you going to be on the Mario Kart ride and like be able to use your phone to like you know, throw a banana peel onto the the cart behind you and trip them up like that, that. That might be interesting and fun.
2: That would be cool. There there aren't any details yet about how interactive it is. Uh, it seems like the um, main sort of attraction of it is the, the coins. And then you can use the collect all those digital coins and compete with other park attendees for something. Um, but I'm not sure like how interactive it will be, but it would be cool if you could do something like that. See, I'm excited
1: to go over there and try this, but I'm wondering, like, is it going to be available in English? Am I going to be, like <laughs> – or is it going to be all, like, m- me not being able to understand any of the, you know, the script on the screen? Uh, Brad, does does any of this appeal to you? I know you are – you do like Nintendo.
3: Yeah, I do. You know, um, And it, in theory, it sounds interesting. I, I will probably hold off and see how it works before I really – Uh, Actually, have any established interest in it. Plus, I don't necessarily know when I'll be able to go visit this this world anyway. So I'm not exactly. Well, it is
1: also coming to Florida and California and somewhere else, Singapore, something. Yeah, Singapore.
2: But I got to get
3: there first. So um
2: uh, slash film trip to singapore peter
3: (laughs) yeah just just make like build build whack-a-mole style mechanics of goombas into the the floor of the land so that way if you see one, you can just go smash it and it disappears into the ground
1: that that sounds like a lawsuit waiting to happen (laughs) uh ht are you at all excited i know you're a big pokemon person are you a big like mario and nintendo person
2: I mean, I played a lot of Mario at Nintendo growing up because I had a Nintendo 64. Um, but it was mostly like a party game, played a lot of Mario Tennis for some reason. That was the game that we really loved <laughs> as kids. Um, so I'm interested. I don't know if I would fly all the way to Japan just for this theme park. Um, but maybe if I find myself at a theme park and it's there, I would definitely check it out. Yeah. Are you
3: are you going to go all the way to Japan for this with Ordinary Adventures, Peter?
1: I I want to. Well, we already want to go to Japan anyways because we've never been to Tokyo Disney Sea, which is supposed to be the greatest theme park ever created. Um but that's been a dream of Kitra and I's for many years now. We've I've I've never stepped foot in Japan yet, so
2: Japan is great. I, I recommend it. I can send you my itinerary if you ever go.
1: Yes, I hope to. I hope to. maybe this year. Maybe maybe, a, maybe after this opens because that'll give me another reason to go. But uh, I don't know. I I'm I'm just wondering like how many people are going to be using this like <laughs> this interactive tech and like are like already in the real world when Pokemon Go was at its height of its popularity. Like Brad, I was I was around you like comic-con when you're like when everybody was into pokemon go and there was like crowds of people going after the same pokemon and stuff like that like i can't imagine being in a theme park where you know it's crowded and everybody's going after the thing same virtual things that are around the land like it seems like a that would be a mess to me <laughs> no yeah. it sounds
2: quite fun though
1: <laughs> yeah. I uh, want we'll to see. It'll be interesting to see how, how it does. Uh, I'm excited for it. Anyways, you can find more of all those stories on slashfilm.com. You can find more of this podcast, Slash Film Daily on iTunes, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at peter at slashfilm.com. And please rate and review this podcast on iTunes. Tell your friends, spread the word, and we'll see you tomorrow.